Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I have 15 minutes to preach, okay? So in John chapter so bear with me, I'm going to start moving. Are you ready? John chapter 6 begins in, uh, in verse 3 where Jesus has gone up into a mountain in, uh, near the Sea of Galilee. And uh, with his disciples, in verse 5, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Whence is a good old English word for where, when, and how? All in the same one, okay? So, when shall we buy bread that this crowd will eat? All right? And this... In verse 6, and this Jesus said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Now, as best as I've been able to study, and if you study this and you know, come talk to me afterwards because I want to, I want to be specific. But as best as I can understand, 200 penny worth back then was the common man's yearly salary about okay so now i i don't know what the yearly salary is in the states i've been in different places and it seems to change so let's just say uh, a very poor person working very hard let's say twenty thousand dollars i know that's really really low but remember you're talking about the common men back then that were fishermen so we're not talking about high wages that's the common man's yearly salary so let's say twenty thousand dollars he says here, if you bought $20,000 worth of bread, it's not enough to feed the crowd. That's a lot of bread, right? Okay, we've established, obviously, there's a lot of people. Now, he has them sit down, and they number them in 5,000. Back in those days, we know that the men and children would have been tagging along well. That's just the way cultures work over there. But here, they just numbered the men. But we know that $20,000 bread wasn't enough to feed everybody. That's a lot of bread, okay? Now, interesting to me, though, how we tell God what he can't do. <laughs> okay? We tell God what can't be done. And here he gives a very wise uh, financial guesstimated answer. You know, if we, we fed him with $20,000 worth of bread... It's still not enough to give everybody a little bit. And then when we realize it can't be done, often we have this tendency to get sarcastic. What do I mean by that? Look at the next verse. Phil, uh, let's see. And one of his disciples, in verse 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here, this young boy, uh, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Now, let me stop there. Panera bread has messed up the concept of what a barley loaf is. This is not a barley loaf that they're talking about, okay? <laughs> this is Panera bread. A barley loaf is about this big, okay? It's a roll. Here's a boy with five barley rolls and two small fishes. I guarantee you his mom in that time and day and age did not send her son with this five loaves this big, okay? She sent him with, two, with five rolls and two small fishes. It's a boy's lunch. Right. They just decided that you couldn't feed the crowd with $20,000 worth of bread. And then he says, well, there's a boy here who's got a lunch. 
Well, what's that against so many? What can you do with that? I love Jesus. I love his responses. They're really a challenge to me of how I should live. I, I'm amazed he didn't reprimand him. He just said, okay, have him sit down. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> and then it goes on, and, and because for the sake of time, I won't go through all of this, but in, um, in verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, filled, stuffed, you get that? If he had bought $20,000 worth of bread, they couldn't have given everyone just a little bit. And here they're stuffed. All right? And when they were filled, Jesus said unto his disciples in verse 12, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Many people, many Christians, and myself having been included in this, we have a desire to do things for God. Christians, how many of you want to do something Big for God. How many of you want to be used by God in an extraordinary way? Okay? Yeah. Most of us do. But we get stuck. Because we think that in order for God to use us in an extraordinary way, we have to become or be extraordinary. And therein lies why I think a lot of Christians don't simply serve God. Because they're looking for that extraordinary time when they become an extraordinary person or can give something to God that's an extraordinary gift. One time in my life have I been able to give to God a sum of money that was uh, several thousand dollars at one time. That was exciting to be able to give God that much money. It was awesome. But that's only happened once in my life. In 46 years, that's happened once. So what have I done in the meantime? Well, many of us would wait and wait and wait until we could do something extraordinary for God before we do anything for him. And that's where I want to encourage you. See, the world is all about qualifications. There's even an American saying, go big or go home. Basically, if you can't do something big, forget it. However, we've let that thinking get into our hearts. We're Christians, dear friends. Those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Savior, you've trusted His work. He came, God left heaven. He, his son came, was born as a human, and 33 years later, he gave up his life. He died on a cross to pay for your sin and for mine. He paid the sin penalty for us. And he said, and then three days later after he died, he rose again. We don't have a dead Savior. We have a living Savior. We have a living sacrifice. 
And he simply said that if we would put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his work for us, he would save us and rescue us from the penalty of our sin and then adopt us as his own children and make us family. Now, Asians actually understand this better than the, if you will, the, the mainstream Americans. Family is everything, right? Yeah. You know what? That is actually scriptural. Family is everything. It's whose family you are in when you die that will determine your eternal destination. Family's everything. And those of you who have trusted Christ, we, call our, we have been called Christians. That means a little copy of Christ, an imitation of, and that's what we're supposed to be. We belong to him. And we often have two problems in our lives that stop uh, several little things, but there's some mindset. One, I've noticed, we want to be owners. Now, I had an argument with somebody in the States because all my life I've, I've had renting. And somebody in the States was telling me, oh, no, no, it's better to buy. You own your home. And I got frustrated. I was like, no, you don't own your home. It's like, yes, yes, you do. It's like, uh-uh, stop paying taxes. Then we see who owns your home. <laughs> you know, you, we, the truth is, is we don't own anything. Nothing I have actually belongs to me. Well, Brother Matt, what about your wife? Oh, it said it was a gift from the Lord. She belongs to him. What about your kids? <laughs> They're not mine. They're his. Everything I have is on loan. Even the time that I have, it's not mine. Nothing I have is mine. E even, even this wallet, it's not mine. See, if I am an owner, then it is up to me to decide what I do with my things, my time, my money. But if I'm only a steward and a caretaker of everything that God has given to me, it's not mine, it's his. Now all of a sudden it changes how I do things, right? Now it's, so what do you want me to do with your time? What do you want me to do with the life you have given me to live for you? America, the, the, not just America, but the world is full of the idea. It's my life. They're my things. I have to do my job and my work to make my future. None of it's mine. It's all God's. And if as Christians we will accept this truth, you'll find freedom. You'll find so much freedom, it's incredible. Then we get stuck on the qualifications. China's passed a law that now in order to get any work visa, you have to bachelor's, have a bachelor's degree. Qualifications are getting higher and higher. For, the world is all about qualifications. We already know God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he's called. Look at the apostles. Most of them were fishermen. That was really low on the totem pole. All right? Where am I going with this? Plain and simply this. God takes ordinary people and he puts them in 
extraordinary places. Where you live is an extraordinary place. I don't think there are very many ordinary places left in the world. <laughs> but God takes ordinary people and he puts them in extraordinary places. God can take the ordinary things that you have to offer and he does something extraordinary with it. Now that miracle in John 6 possibly could not have taken place. Can anybody tell me what would have stopped that miracle? What would have stopped the miracle of the 5,000 men being filled with 12 baskets of food left over from a boy's lunch? What would have stopped that miracle from happening? Can anybody tell me? What's that? Okay, but the people didn't believe yet. You're close, but what was it that actually made that possible? Yes, Jesus did the miracle, but what, what did he need for the miracle? The boy's lunch. That's right. <laughs> We're talking about a hungry boy here. What boy shares food? <laughs> Come on. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. Boys don't share food much, if any at all. And there's 5,000 people. You know what? Boys got a lunch. And here's what you can almost hear going on. I can't feed 5,000 people. I know that's your need, but Jesus, at least you have lunch. A boy simply gave his lunch to Jesus, said, here, you take it. I can't do anything else, but I can feed you. And God took his ordinary lunch and did the extraordinary with it. But that, my dear friends, is the key. See, often we have the focus on us. I want to do something extraordinary for God. I want God to use me in an extraordinary way. We have got such a lying heart. It's terrifying. Even as Christians, our heart lies to itself that we're okay. It's, it's all right. God will understand. And the truth is, is <laughs> we have got to be honest And often, we want to do the extraordinary for God because we want attention or the glory. And here, who got the glory in this miracle? God did. Completely God. It had, the boy did nothing except give his lunch to Jesus. He didn't feed 5,000. God did that. My dear friends, that's what I'm trying to share with you. If you will just simply surrender up your ordinary to God, God can do something extraordinary with it for his glory. The key, the, 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 the catch is that you have to surrender it to him. Now, many of us won't because we don't think it's, it's worth surrendering. See, there's another little mindset we need to change. Now, some of you are saying, well, what do I have? I don't have that many talents. Do you have an ordinary home? Can you cook ordinary food? Now, I'm sure some of you can cook really good food. But for those of you who can't, can you cook ordinary food? Uh, do you have an ordinary smile? 
smile can make or break someone's day. <laughs> but it really can. What am I saying? You don't need extraordinary skills and extraordinary talents. You just take the simple, ordinary things God has given to you and you give them back to God. You open your home. That's my private space. <laughs> I live in China. There is no such thing. <laughs> there is no personal space or bubble. <laughs> Even on the, on the train, we try not to go during high-density traffic hours, but I've got a trick now. When I get on the metro during uh, rush hour, I'll try to, I'll get up in the front, and as soon as the door opens, I'll kind of turn backwards and push in like this. That's how many people are still in. And the reason why is so when the glass closes, I'm kissing glass rather than people. Because it just got people all over the place, you know. You're just stuck in this, hello, <laughs> trying not to pay attention. And they're just, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people. There is no personal space. But we get here in America, and it's so funny because I'm not used to it. Again, in Africa, we have a lot closer space that we, uh, with the culture over there. You're a lot closer. And then in China, there is no space. And so I'll be in the States talking to folks, and I have a little bit of a hearing thing as well. And so I'll just start getting closer. And I've noticed, yeah, he's already backing up. <laughs> uh, we, we have this, my security area, my, my personal space, my bubble. My dear friends, Christ died on a cross in a horrible way to pay for our eternity. The cross was the most vicious, painful, and humiliating punishment that the Romans could come up with. The truth is, is that our Savior was naked on the cross. The Bible says he was beaten so badly before they put him on, he didn't look like a human. His back had been whipped so much, bones were showing. I, I have not watched, um, it's called The Passion? I have not watched The Passion, but I've seen some pictures. My dear friends, that is nothing what Christ looked like. That's nice. And Christ did that for me and for you to save us from the penalty of our wicked sin. And then he says, just open up and I'll come in and be with you. He wants us to do the same to others. See, when you love somebody, you make yourself vulnerable, right? So then let's be careful who we love, correct? No, no, for God so loved the world. That, in Chinese, it's shenai shen, which means he loves all the peoples so much that he said, here's my heart. Have we been good to him? Have we been kind to Christ? No, we've hurt him. We've damaged him. Even as his children, we've misused his love so often, and I'm guilty as well. And yet he says, I still love you. And he wants us to give that same love to the people around us. My dear friends, I would encourage you, let God take your ordinary. If you have extraordinary gifts, wonderful. But I encourage you, if you can give something great to God, great. But I encourage you, let God use you 
your ordinary. Just surrender to him and let him do something. Not that it would be great, but that he would use you for his glory.